Amen. You may be seated. If you're standing up at home, you may be seated as well. I just want to say, first of all, to everyone who's here at this campus or any of our campuses live, you get extra credit for being here in the snow. For those watching online, you get half credit. You do get half credit. We're not even going to talk about what happens to the people who are just straight up sleeping in, right? Um, so we're so glad that you're here. And today we are, before I get into a brand new series we're starting to kick off the year, I want to just make mention of this. If you, if you are watching from home, you might want to try something new today because at the end of the service, we're going to take communion together. So we have these little communion cups, but I invite you to go into the kitchen and uh, grab some juice or some wine and some bread. I'm serious, actually. And, and just get ready, because I'd love it if you're watching from home, I'd love it if you would take communion with us. You don't have to be here physically to take communion. It doesn't take a pastor to give you communion. So you can do it, because it's all about, it's all about recognizing who Jesus is and commemorating that. So I want to invite you at home to be ready to do that. Also, I wanted to say, I just wanted to remind people, if you missed the announcements this morning, at, at our, all of our physical locations, we have these pursuit booklets. It's a little, quick little 60, 60 page, it's a quick read, it goes along with our series online called The Pursuit, so if you've never taken that, we encourage you to take it. But it's a really helpful thing to grab. Grab a few, they're free, grab a couple copies, and, and Give it to a friend this year. You know, give it to a friend that maybe you feel like would maybe read it. And, and the whole idea behind it is we think that, that these little booklets are going to catalyze um, disciple-making here. You know, we believe that as a church our goal is to help people pursue God, that we're supposed to make disciples. And so if you're a Christian, uh, one of the ways that you can maybe trigger that activity is by, uh, is by handing grabbing some of these and, and giving it to a friend and say, hey, just give it a read, and if you want to talk about it, let me know, because it's all about, you know, for them, they might start by reading it through. It probably only takes an hour, hour and a half to read the whole thing, and it's, a, it's an introduction to becoming a follower of Jesus, so it goes through all the basics of biblical Christianity, but the goal is, hopefully, if, if your friend does read it, that they'll say, can we talk about it? Can we go through that together? In fact, Tracy and I are bringing a couple through this right now. Uh, we just finished... Lesson four this last week. We're on lesson five this next week. It's been so fun to, to do this with that, this friend. They're new to Christianity. They're new to biblical Christianity. And it's just been fun to explore it together. And that's really what that's about. So we've got thousands of copies of these. So hopefully, if we run out, that's a good sign and we'll, we'll make more. Okay, just like Doritos. And so, <laughs> so grab a couple copies and pray over it and then give it to a friend. All right. So today, we're starting, we're doing something a little different for the first three months of the year at Alpine Church, and we're going to be going through the Gospel of Mark. And so I want to just invite everybody, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, turn to the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the four Gospels in the New Testament, and we're going to look at Mark, and you'll see why here in a little bit, but we're going to be we, as a pastoral team, we really kind of prayed and thought about this for a couple of months, and, and one of our pastors, Pastor Eric at the Riverdale campus, suggested this idea, and he has a lot of bad ideas. He really does. He has a lot of bad ideas, but occasionally, Eric will have a good idea, and I think this was a good idea. The whole pastoral team was excited about it. We're like, this is going to, I think this will be really good. Let's try this. It's different than anything we've ever done at Alpine Church. Typically, we kind of do a new series every month or so. 
and, uh, and we kind of rebrand it every month so that we're jumping around and, and doing stuff that hopefully is easy to invite people to. But we said, well, let's give this a try where we're going to really sort of double down on this gospel of Mark, and we're going to go through, like, we're going to spend six, seven weeks in the first chapter of Mark, and then we'll spend probably just as long in the second chapter of Mark. So we're, we're going to spend the first three months of this year going through the first three chapters of Mark uh, in the Bible. And so we hope that you'll get into it. We'll, we hope you'll get excited about it. Uh, in a few weeks, in a, in a more than a few weeks, we're going to be encouraging people to go to small groups, to check out a small group if you've never done that. But you can even check out a small group right now, okay? And so we encourage you to find a small group, study this with your family. For all of these resources, um, you can find a podcast, a short video, like a small group video. You can find discussion questions at pursuegod.org forward slash mark. Every single week you can find that information if you want to go deeper into this. So today... We're going to just start with an intro to the book of Mark, and all we're going to cover today is Mark chapter 1, verse 1. We're just covering one verse. Now, we're not going to do that for the whole series, because we'll, we'd never get through it, but for, for today, just by way of introduction, we're going to cover verse 1, and I'm not even going to share verse 1 with you yet. We're going to leave a little cliffhanger. We want you to think, don't cheat, don't look at it, don't cheat. We're, we're going to just wait. We're going to share it at the end today, but I do want to start with this question. If you wrote a book about what mattered most to you, what would be the first verse? It's actually a great question for uh, the new year because a lot of people, this is, a, this is when a lot of people do like New Year's resolutions and you talk about what you want for this next year. But this is a bigger question because this is zooming out to your, to your whole life. If you wrote a, a book about what mattered most to you, what would be the first verse? Now, probably your first verse would be very generous to you. Like, this was a good person, you know? This, this person loved Jesus or was passionate about Jesus or wanted people to know Jesus. But this might be a good thing to do in the minivans on the way home or if you're watching from home already, maybe after the live stream today, sit down with your family and, and, ha and actually talk about this question. This might spark a really good conversation. You know, with our family, Tracy and I, we love to sit around and have what we call family time. We did it when the kids were younger, and we still do it now that they're almost 20 and 22. We still come together. In fact, last night after, the, after all, the, game, all the, the bowl games, we, we turned the TV off, and we, and we had a little family time for about an hour to finish off the year, and we, we talked about stuff like this. We talked about what are, what are your goals for this next year, we went around and talked about it, and then we prayed together as a family, and then everybody went off and, and partied. Um, I'm kidding about that. We, we actually went to bed, because we're old people. But this is a great question to talk about with your family, and I would encourage moms and dads to ask their kids what, would, what, what do you think our first verse would be, because it might shed some light on how they see you versus how you see you, right? Because we can be generous to ourselves, and maybe not as generous to other people. So this is a great question. We'll come back to it here at the end. But the reason I'm starting with this is because we're, we're going to be talking in just a little bit. We're going to be talking about Mark's first verse. Mark 1, verse 1. We'll show it to you at the end. But before we get there, we, we need to talk a little bit about the book of Mark. So the book of Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels. So four, four Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is the shortest, 16 chapters. It was probably written around 55 AD. 
And it's an action gospel. It's a, it's a book that's written with vivid descriptions and fewer teachings than the other gospels. So like, for example, Matthew is 28 chapters long. Mark is 16 chapters long. So Mark is the shortest. And Mark, as Mark's writing this, Mark, he uses the word like immediately. He uses the word immediately 40 times in his short book. In 16 chapters, he uses the word immediately 40 different times. Here's an example. We'll get to this a little bit later. But in verses 16 and 17, it says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, or depending on your translation, it might say, and right away, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. And so we call it the action gospel because it, it reads a little bit more like a movie script. No, not, not so much like a, like a book. It reads like a movie script. It is like, it's not going to waste time. It's going to get to the point. It's not going to give you su- superfluous details or fancy words like superfluous. Like it's going to just keep moving. Mark is going to keep moving. He wants to get to the point. He, he, wa- he wants to make sure he doesn't lose your attention. How many of you have a friend who, when they tell a joke, they just never get to the punchline? And you're like, would you please get to the punchline? Some people are terrible joke tellers. Uh, or maybe storytellers. I have to admit, I'm a terrible storyteller. I don't know what, I get lost in the details sometimes. And I try to do better f- from up here when I teach. But when I'm just with my family and friends, sometimes they like make fun of me. In fact, last night when we were having our family time, my daughter was mocking me for like derailing our family time. I kept like going off on tangents like squirrel, you know, and I'm, I'm like thinking about something else or talking about something else. And I know that drives my kids crazy. And that's why I think my kids would really like the gospel of Mark because Mark doesn't do that. Mark gets like right. In fact, I think it's funny. He says, he says, he, he saw Simon and Andrew casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. I love that. He's just like, I want to make sure you understand why they were doing this. They were fishermen. And then he just kind of moves on. Like, this is just how Mark writes. And everyone in the gospel of Mark, I encourage you to maybe to highlight right away or immediately, every time you see it. See if you can find all 40 of them in the, in the gospel of Mark as you read it over this next several weeks and months. But it's not just, it's not just the followers of Jesus, like Andrew and Simon, who immediately do stuff, we're going to see it's Jesus. Jesus is like on the move. He's on the move. And we're going to see why here as we continue to dive into the intro to this book. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the author. The early church unanimously believed that this account was written by a guy named John Mark, but we just call him Mark, who likely got his information from Peter's preaching and memoirs. So... Not to be Captain Obvious here, but who wrote the book of Mark? Mark. Yeah, good. Mark did. But what's interesting as you read is you're not going to see that anywhere. He doesn't doesn't name himself anywhere in there. So that begs the question, well, then how do we know know Mark's the one who wrote it? Because it doesn't say anywhere in there. Spoiler alert. He's not going to say this gospel is written by John Mark. He doesn't say that anywhere. He doesn't sign off like Paul does in some of his letters. So we... We've, the early church has always attributed this to this guy named John Mark, or 
just Mark. Now we meet this guy, we meet this guy in some of the other books of the Bible. The, the book of Acts is the, is the only really historical book in the New Testament. So the, the New Testament is set up like a library set up. So it's like sections of the library, like categories. Some of you are like, what is a library? Okay, <laughs> so young people, a library is a place that you could go, that your parents go to to get books. And so when you go to a library, there's, there's like the nonfiction section and there's the fiction section and things like that. There's the history, historical section, whatever. So the, gospel, or the New Testament and the Old Testament as well, but the New Testament is organized like a library, so there's different sections. So the first four books are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The next book is called Acts, and that one stands alone because Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, or I like to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, or the Acts of the Apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's a book that really kind of shows us the early church, how the early church started after Jesus ascended to heaven. So that's really all about about missionary journeys and, and people accepting and rejecting the gospel. And it's a great, if you've never read it, it's a great book. It's kind of like a history book. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts. And then, and then the other stuff are the, some of the letters, the epistles, like Paul's epistles and then the non-Pauline epistles. And then the last book in the New Testament, Revelation, is, is kind of in a category all its own. It's like apocalyptic literature. So anyway, to learn about John Mark, we actually have to go to the book of Acts because he shows up in the book of Acts. And some of you might not have known this, but Mark went on the very first missionary journey with Paul. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, goes on three missionary journeys in the, in the New Testament. The first one that he went on, John Mark went with him. Here's what it says. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. Read that one fast five times, right? But look at what it says. It says, there... John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. Okay, so first missionary journey is Acts 13 and 14. And notice where this is in Acts. It's verses 13 and 14. So this is at the beginning of Paul's first missionary journey. And the only information we have here about this John Mark guy Again, who's the author of the Gospel of Mark. The only information, we don't have any other information except that he left them. That's it. We don't, there's no other commentary in the book of Acts about why he left them. We don't know if it was a good thing. We don't know if it was a bad thing. We don't know if he, if he like, his wife called him and said, where are you? Get home. Like, we have no idea. We have no idea why he left. All we know is that he left, and he left really early in the journey. Because there's like almost two full chapters of, Missionary journeys. Missionary journey means that, that, that Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch of Pisidia. If you, have, if you have one of those Bibles where you have maps at the back of your Bible, you can look at Paul's first missionary journey. Look it up for yourself, and you'll see, check out when they were here, and that's where John Mark left them, and then they went to all the other spots on that first missionary journey. Now, we get more information in Acts 15. You'll have to look it up for yourself later, but in Acts 15... We see that they're going, getting ready to go on their second missionary journey. And Barnabas is like, hey, let's bring, let's bring John Mark. And Paul said, uh-uh, we're not going to bring him because he deserted us. 
So see, a couple chapters later, we get a little bit more information. Still, we don't know why, but we see that it wasn't a good thing, at least in Paul's eyes, that Paul considered it a, des- a desertion, but Barnabas, who, by, by the way, Barnabas, his name is son of encouragement, so Barnabas was an encourager. We all need a Barnabas in our lives, don't we? Someone is like, no, look, he's, he's good. Like, give him another chance. Let's give him a second chance. And Paul's like, uh-uh. In fact, the, Acts 15 says it was such a sharp dispute that Paul and Barnabas split up, and they, they didn't, like, they said, we're just going to have to agree to disagree here. Paul took Silas on his second missionary journey, and Barnabas took John Mark, and they went somewhere else. So they still went and went on their own missionary journeys. We, learned, we know more about Paul and Silas's second missionary journey from Acts 15 onward. We don't know very much more about what happened with Barnabas and John Mark at that point, but we know it was a big enough deal that Paul wasn't a big fan of John Mark's. Now, that's interesting, by the way, if I could just make a comment about that. That's interesting because Paul was one of those guys who was just, he strikes me as one of those guys who was just really opinionated. How many of you know somebody who's just really opinionated? Raise your hand if you know somebody who's really opinionated. We all know somebody who's really opinionated. And how many of you are really opinionated? Can I ask that question? Anybody? Uh, At home, I see people raising hands all over the place as well. See, being opinionated is not a bad thing. And we even see it in scriptures. We see these people, these leaders who are opinionated and had some disagreements, and yet we still see the gospel goes through. That somehow God, in the midst of all of our even, even some of our relational trials that can happen, God is still going to get his glory. And what I think is so cool about this is that even though Paul and Barnabas disagreed about this, it like doubled the efforts, the missionary efforts of the early church because it ended up sending out two different groups. Anyway, I think that's cool. So that's the author. His name's Mark. Now, let's talk about the audience real quick. The original audience. It's always good, by the way, whenever you're studying a book, it's always good to ask these questions. Who's the author? What was the audience? Because in order to really apply it to what's going on in our lives today, which we want to do, we have to first apply it to what really its original intent was. So we're always doing two things when we, when we read Scripture, is we're trying to understand its original intent, and then we're trying to understand how it applies to us. So the original audience was likely Gentile. It was possibly written during a time when persecutions threatened the church. So and even possibly it was written to Rome, especially to Rome, specifically to Rome. The reason we know that it was a Gentile audience is we pick up on clues from the text. Like, pay attention as you read Mark. You're going to see that it, it, it explains Mark, even though he's, he's shortened to the point, he still explains Jewish customs. So he wouldn't have to explain Jewish stuff if his audience was Jewish. They would have already understood it. But we'll, we, as we read, like compare Matthew and Mark, Matthew doesn't explain Jewish customs because his audience was Jewish, but Mark does explain it because his audience didn't have a Jewish background, so they wouldn't have understood some of those references. So because of that, we believe that he was really, that Mark's audience was mainly Gentile, non-Jewish. And so, and it was written during this time, the time of persecution in the early church, which explains why it's an action gospel, which explains why he uses the word immediately 40 times, because he's just like, we got to get to the point, because time is short, right? So that's the audience. So finally, what was the big idea? What was the point? What was the aim of the book? Mark, Mark wrote this whole book, this whole 16-chapter book, to show the world who Jesus is and what he's done. The central theme of the gospel of Mark is outlined 
in the first verse of the book. So you ready for it? We've been waiting for it. Here it is. Here's the first verse of the book. I love it. I love how he starts. A good writer starts by grabbing your attention. Like if I was going to write a book about how hot dogs are made, I would start with this line. I would say, I always wondered what went into a hot dog. Now I know, and I wish I didn't. (laughs) And here's how Mark opens his book. Mark 1.1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. What a great opening line. So we have two minutes to explain this. This is the good news. Isn't it great that Mark's message, not just Mark's, but the whole Bible's message, is good news? Like you turn on the news today and you're not going to find good news for the most part. Maybe there's like a good news thing at the very end, like a fun little feature at the end about someone who helped shovel a driveway for an old lady or something like that, but the... Like the whole rest of the episode is going to be bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. This world is filled with bad news. And I love that the Bible offers us good news. So as we're reading through the Gospel of Mark together, let's expect good news, not bad news. And what's the good news about? It's about Jesus, the Messiah. So Jesus is actually, in Jewish, is the word Yeshua, And so it's about Yeshua, the Messiah. The Messiah is actually translated into Greek. Messiah is the Christ. So literally, you could read Jesus the Messiah. You could read it like Jesus Christ. By the way, Christ isn't his last name. Christ is a descriptor of who he is. He is Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Jesus, the one that we've been waiting for. See, this concept of Messiah in the Old Testament and to the Jewish mind is The Jewish people were waiting for this person who was promised long ago who was going to come and rescue the nation. And so John Mark is saying, I'm going to tell you about this Jesus guy. This is the guy that we've been waiting for this whole time that was going to come and rescue the nation. But the the interesting thing is he doesn't just rescue the Jewish people. He rescues all people, Gentiles included, which was surprising to the Jewish people. The Jewish people in the Old Testament thought that God only cared about their nation. What we're going to learn in the Gospel of Mark is that God cares about every nation, that he wants everyone to come to hear the good news, everyone. And then this was the last thing that John says that, again, was surprising is he's the son of God. That was a shocker. People didn't think that Jesus was going to that, that the Messiah was going to be the son of God. They just thought he was going to be like this great human ruler like David or, or this great prophet like Moses. But no, actually the Messiah, Jesus, is not just, he's not just a great man. He's actually the son of God. He's actually God himself. And these are the statements, these are the things that that really he's going to be unpacking, Mark's going to be unpacking for 16 chapters. He's going to be explaining the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And that was his first verse. So again, what would would you do if you wrote a book about what mattered most to you? What would your first verse be? Mark's was all about Jesus, the good news about Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we consider this good news and as we get ready to embark on a new year and as we get ready to 
study together for these next few months the gospel of Mark. Lord, I pray that you would grab a hold of our hearts and our heads as we learn about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Lord, I know some people in here already know a lot about you. And some people in here, some people watching, don't know the first thing about you. What a What a great way to start off a new year is just to learn who you are and learn why that's good news. And it really is good news. So Jesus, I pray that you would be with us along, walk with us along this journey as we point others and ourselves to the hope that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.